The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. You might want to grab a pen and a piece of paper for this one. I've got so many good shows for you to watch. Like sometimes I feel like there's just like nothing to watch. And other times there's so many I I haven't personally gotten through all of them. So I'm going to give you some recommendations and a ton of variety. Recommendations of shows that I highly recommend. Shows that I freaking loved and I think some of you will like. And I'm going to tell you why some of you might not like them. And I'm even going to give you some of the shows that are on my list why I'm going to watch them, and even though I I haven't watched them yet, just in case you want some extras. We're getting a little bit of a reprieve from the chaos at our house. Our daughter was married last weekend. My voice has just come back from that. My son gets married in less than 30 days, and I'm still marinating in just the happiness and the joy. It was just so perfect. You'll hear more about that probably on Friday's episode. But I'm just really looking forward to not doing a lot this week except getting caught up on like the good shows I get to watch. And there's a lot of them. All right, let's get to it. First up is a documentary you can find on Netflix. It's an hour and 40 minutes. And this one definitely comes with some trigger warnings. It is a haunting true story about a woman who, when she was a young girl, gosh, how do I tell you about what this documentary is about without giving away all of the surprises? Okay, this is a documentary that was featured on Netflix. You know, I think they did a 2020 on this, but even if you're familiar with the story, it's completely different. So it's called The Girl in the Picture on Netflix. It's a story about a woman's death and the kidnapping of her son. And when this all happens, it blows up a decade-long, actually several decades, worth of mysteries surrounding this woman's true identity and the murderous federal fugitive who is at the center of the whole thing. I mean, this is a story about, and I feel like a lot of it takes place in Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Like, don't all murders and crimes take place in Michigan or Florida? It feels that way. Now, for those of you who like to run a documentary in the background while you're doing something else, this is one you are going to need to sit down and pay attention to. And the primary reason why is they use a bunch of different names for the woman who's at the center of the story. And for me, that was kind of confusing. Like I almost needed a little chart and people referred to her by different names because they knew her in different ways. And that's all I'm going to say without giving away the plot. I feel like if someone had told me that before I started watching it, it would have been a little bit easier. So I hope that makes it easier for you. Again, it's going to be very triggering because there are instances of childhood sexual abuse referenced in this documentary. But here's what I think you're really going to love about it, or at least what I appreciated about it was so often these are stories about the perpetrator. And this one is a beautiful depiction of the woman who was at the center of this story. And it's told by the actual victims. 
The story is told by her loved ones, and it's from their point of view. There is no real spotlight or fascination with the perpetrator who's at the center of this. The reason why I like to watch documentaries like this is because it just, it makes you more aware of the importance of paying attention to red flags. Like there were so many people in the story who knew things didn't seem right, who knew things didn't make sense. The perpetrator who's a part of the story was just, I mean, everyone knew there was something about him that was just really off. And everyone just kind of dismissed those red flags. And part of the reason why, like if I'm going to take away anything from this documentary, it was that victims of sexual abuse or even child abuse, they don't always show up the way that you might think, like meaning broken and sad and rebelling or doing poorly in school or antisocial or unhappy or any of those things like sad, depressed. I think that's what we sometimes associate we would pick up on from a child who was living in these horrendous conditions. And this girl, the mark that she made on everyone was with her bright light and her positivity and her vivacious personality. And she was just like the all-star kid. Like everyone talked about the light that shined from this girl, later woman. I think that's an important takeaway. You know, we sometimes make assumptions and then we dismiss our red flags because the certain thing that we anticipate seeing isn't there. So we dismiss that little voice in our head that's like, this doesn't seem right. And I think the more we can be exposed to those kinds of things, the more likely we are to say something. I think all of us, especially parents, imagine what it would be like if somebody called Child Protective Services on a hunch on one of us, right? And, and we try to picture our own children being taken away and us being wrongly accused of something. And so I think we're sometimes reluctant to get involved or to say something. But if there's a takeaway from this, it is, I mean, what if you were right? What if there is something going on? It certainly doesn't hurt to call authorities and say, something doesn't seem right here. I'd like you to go check it out. They're going to check it out. And there are so many people in this documentary that have lived with regret today because they had those thoughts and they didn't make that call. It's a great documentary. It's dark, it's deep, and it will leave you thinking about it for days after you finish it. Okay, then let's go to one that's really light and fun, and you're really going to enjoy it with the whole family. This one is on Prime. It's a pretty quick one. It's like an hour and 12 minutes. Those kind of things matter, because sometimes Brett's like, let's go to bed. It's like nine o'clock, and I'll be like, oh, well, can we watch a show? <laughs> like a little kid begging for a later bedtime. And he'll say, how long is it? You know, so this is a quick one, hour and 12 minutes, and it's super light. It's a great way to cleanse your palate after some of the other documentaries I'm going to recommend for you. This one, it's called The Perfect Bid, The Contestant Who Knew Too Much. Again, it's on Prime. And it's the story of this man who I think he might have been on the spectrum. I can't remember if they said that was true or if I was just thinking that. But he basically becomes obsessed with The Price of Right and starts like studying every single Show Now, if you were like me and just watching The Price of Right with Bob Barker and that super long, skinny microphone, it just is so much nostalgia for you. Like I just can smell coffee and bacon in my grandma's house. It just, I loved that show or just 
being home on a sick day, watching The Price of Right, like that really made me nostalgic. You're going to love it. If you grew up watching The Price of Right, I mean, it's, I think it's still on TV, isn't it? I can't remember, but it's this fascinating inner look at the way the game show worked. And it features interviews from so many of the people who were on the show and Bob Barker himself. And he's just amazing. I love him, love him, love him. Talk about, like, he is the embodiment of Mr. Rogers. Like, just the sweetest, kindest guy. No one has anything but nice things to say about him. And it was a very pure, loving family of people who ran that show. It's no wonder that it was so popular for so long. Anyways, The story, the documentary follows this one guy and how he spends so much time memorizing every single game on The Price of Right and the prices of everything that they featured. And he would create these like incredibly intricate, basically computer programs. And this is like when computers just first started that would basically calculate all the prices for him. And now the guy's name was Ted and and he, he kept getting into the audience And eventually he gets on the show. That's all I'm going to tell you. But it's just fun and it's lighthearted and it's a joy to watch. And the last 15 minutes of this documentary are freaking everything. You'll love it. Okay, you know I love a music documentary. Machine Gun Kelly, Life in Pink. If you find musicians, tortured artists, those kinds of things, you know, people who are like really talented, but they're also just tortured. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. If you find that interesting, you need to watch this. Even if you're not into his kind of music or who he is, it doesn't matter. You'll still get something out of this. You'll love it, actually. I'm going to tell you why in a second. But if you don't love those kinds of things, like you don't find artists interesting, well, then this is not for you. If you do, however, and you're thinking, I'm not going to watch that because I don't like Machine Gun Kelly or I don't like his music. Like, I think he's a jerk. All those things. Trust me. That's for sure why you need to watch this. I could not stand him. When he wrote a diss song about my brother, Marshall Mathers, Eminem, I mean, he's not really my brother, but I I like to think of him as a little brother because he looks like a lot of the people on one side of my family. He grew up like a block from where I was born in Detroit. And, you know, like, I don't know, it's just this whole like Detroit pride thing I have around Eminem. And just also the fact that he was like the first incredible lyricist, like the fastest I, to this day. And I love watching YouTube videos about rap music. I know you're thinking that's crazy, but I do. And to this day, I believe he is one of the most talented rappers on the planet. So I'm like fiercely defensive of him. My kids think he's terrible garbage. And I think my kids don't know what they're talking about. So when Machine Gun Kelly came out with this like diss song about Eminem, I don't know, like five or six years ago, then Machine Gun Kelly was dead to me. I hated him. I thought he was garbage, trash, not interested. Lately, you've probably seen him in the news because he's been dating Megan Fox. Okay, that's not even interesting. When I first sat down to watch this documentary, I thought, well, this is just going to make me think this guy's a bigger jerk than what he is. And when I read even the reviews about this documentary, I feel like most people have missed the thing that is the most astonishing, the biggest takeaway from this documentary. So he starts off his career, like in high school, as a white boy rapper, probably imitating Eminem, because he's younger than Eminem considerably. And he gets a huge following, like he's super duper popular in that realm, but he never like really crosses over into megastardom. And he's constantly getting ripped, constantly being compared to Eminem. Everyone's saying like, you're a cheap imitation. 
So the first part of his career up until just recently has just been devoted to trying to, you know, kill it as a rapper and just running up against all of these obstacles and people saying like, you're horrible, you're not as good as Eminem, like all these comparisons, right? Okay, so the documentary follows him. There are two really fascinating, maybe three fascinating themes that run throughout this documentary that starts kind of slow at first. You're not going to fall in love with them right away. As each minute passes, you're going to like him more and more. And towards the end, you are going to be rooting so hard for this guy. So the first theme that I think you're going to find really fascinating is he's got this daughter that I think maybe he had in high school and his relationship with her. It's just unbelievable. It just tears at your heartstrings. It is so remarkable. This young woman, you know, she's seen more than she's ever needed to. You sense that she almost feels like she's the parent. She's wise beyond words or years. I think now maybe she's like in high school, but she's given a big part of this documentary. They do a lot of interviews with her and you can just tell that she is wise. She is prophetic. She is profound. She is empathetic. She's intelligent. She's beautiful. She's well-grounded. She seems very normal. And at some point, I assume when she's an adult, she's probably going to need a lot of therapy because her father is, at least was, a drug addict. You sense that she has to be, she feels like she's parenting him, if that makes sense. Second really fascinating theme in this documentary that I feel like everybody missed is this. Okay, so during the pandemic, when everybody's locked in their homes, That's when he gets off drugs and he picks up a guitar and just to have fun, he starts playing old like punk rock pop music and singing instead of rapping. And it just reminds me of like, have you ever had one of those friends who like they're perfectly built to do a specific sport, like maybe gymnastics, but their parents never had the means to put them in gymnastics. And then they're like, so how do you do a backflip? And they watch like one YouTube video and they can suddenly do like back tucks and back handsprings. And you just think to yourself like, that's what you were like meant to do. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's what it feels like watching this documentary, seeing how unbelievably talented he is as a musician, but it never freaking translated when he was rapping. It just didn't. It was garbage for the most part. But you see like, holy cow, he's got this incredible musicality and this Oh my God, this energy that is just made for punk rock pop. And, you know, even if you're not into that kind of music, it doesn't matter. You're going to pick up on it. And it's just, I don't know. I just found that so inspirational to think that like you could be trying something so hard for so long for like most your life. And it's just like, you're almost there. You're almost the best. You're like, you almost get it right. And then suddenly you just change course and that's what you were meant to do. So that's like the second theme that's running through this documentary. And the third theme is the fact that he's no longer a drug addict, but he is addicted to something new. And that's the part I'm not going to tell you about. I just think it's one of those like sleeper documentaries that nobody's talking about. And again, if you enjoy a story of an underdog, if you enjoy seeing a dad trying his very best to honor his daughter, you know, it's just, I think it's a story about resiliency. Now, obviously he commissioned it, so it's going to be very favorable towards him, obviously, but it's still so good. I loved it. Okay. These next two are very similar. So if you don't like the first one, you can skip the second one. The first one is called Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons. This is a three-part series. They're one hour each and is on Hulu. 
It is about the disgusting underworld of fashion. These billionaires who all hung out together, you know, the Jeffrey Epsteins, the Peter Nygaards, and a bunch of other people who are contained in somebody's little black book. But this documentary kind of reveals how all of these characters are intertwined. This documentary digs deep into the, I think he's the creator, founder of Victoria's Secret brand, and its longtime CEO, Les Wexner, total creepazoid. Now, the first episode is really about Victoria's Secret. Like, it's not too dark. It's not too deep. Like, they're really setting the stage for Victoria's Secret. And you're going to feel like, wait a second, this show isn't like the Victoria's Secret Angel show isn't still on TV. Like, it'll take you back to like the push-up bra and all of those things. And it's just kind of interesting to watch that. But then in the second episode is when it starts to really dig deep into the Harvey Weinstein Jeffrey Epstein and all those scandals and how closely tied all of these groups were. Now, as I mentioned, this documentary and then the one that I'm going to tell you about next, they're very similar. But this one, if you're going to pick one or the other, this one is better done. And there's two kind of themes running through this series. There's first like the sex trafficking and the abuse and the kind of Me Too claims that are happening with Les Wexner. But there's also kind of like this underlying theme about the problems that were created by Victoria's Secret when it comes to women's body image and swimsuits and lingerie. And and it's just kind of very eye-opening and intriguing. And you just realize, kind of watching it in retrospect, like, yeah, I didn't realize all of this was happening and all the marketing that is directed at like middle school and even elementary school girls with their pink brand. It's just really fascinating. And then of course, like I said, there's the whole theme of the sex trafficking and how these powerful, rich men had the opportunity to do these things because they were all so well connected. And I just, I think it's a really good series. Again, it's three parts. It's upsetting. There's definitely some conspiracies. They talk about politicians who you know, big business leaders, and even some of the royals. So that's pretty interesting. And it's very similar to the next one I'm going to recommend to you. Again, if you're going to pick one or the other, if you love the first one, then you're going to watch the next series too. But if you're going to pick one or the other, go with the one on Victoria's Secret. But the second one that I would recommend is Peter Nygaard. It's a docuseries that you can find on Discovery. It is four episodes long, and it's called the Peter Nygaard Behind the Mask or Peter Nygaard Behind the Mask. And I'll spell it N-Y-G-A-R-D. By the way, I will have a list of all of these episodes in our show notes, so be sure to check that. This is a four-part docuseries that you're just going to be in freaking shock. So if you grew up wearing like clothes from The Limited or Limited 2 or just about any store in the mall, it was Peter Nygaard's company that was manufacturing most of those clothing. He was this Finnish Canadian who came from a poor immigrant family, but he became this hugely successful international fashion mogul, like a billionaire, basically. But the money was never enough. Like the money wasn't even what drove him. It was power and fame and an insatiable quest for young women. You guessed it. And of course, he hangs out with all the same older womanizing men that we've been hearing about for years. Like these guys all ran in the same circles. We're talking about President Clinton, President Trump, 
Prince Andrew, Leslie Wexner, Ghislaine Maxwell, Tom Barak, Mort Zuckerman, like all of these names, they all hung out in the same freaking circles. And this guy, as gross as they come, like you're going to want to take a hot shower after you watch every single episode. He's one of those, I know you've seen these kind of guys before, where it's like, okay, dude, you can cut your hair now. You're like 65 and that long gray mullet swept back and over hairsprayed and the dark tan is not working, but apparently it did because women would become mesmerized by the opportunities, the opportunities to be, say, in Victoria's Secret. I think that was another one of the companies that he was partly responsible for. Or was that Wex? I can't remember. But manufacturing wise, they all like ran in the same circles. And this dude was so freaking gross. And he kind of like Hugh Hefner would always have like three and four girlfriends on his arm. Well, this documentary really digs deep into like never seen before interviews with him, these insane parties he would have at his this estate that he built in the Bahamas. And 80 women have come forward. These are the ones who've come forward, which means there's a whole lot more and from different countries who have accused him of rape, sexual assault, being victims of sex trafficking, racketeering. Of course, he denies all the allegations, but it's more than that. Like they really show this behind the scenes footage of this guy who never wanted to get old and he was just so gross and creepy and it's disgusting. But it's like, why have these things stayed silent for so long? In fact, like, why is no one talking about this documentary that I can find anyways? I just hope that so much has changed, but it just makes you realize how so many people turn a blind eye to wealth and power. It's gross, but it's a must watch, but you probably want to watch this one and then follow it up with something to cleanse the palate. Like my next recommendation, which is Temptation Island. Let me just be clear and say that there are no (laughs) redeeming qualities, no great message, no real merit to watching a show like Temptation Island. It's something that you do and, you know, like peeking through your fingers and you probably don't tell people you do it because it's like a guilty pleasure watching these young, beautiful, single bodies colliding with couples and you mix that with alcohol and raging hormones and it just creates a ton of drama it's just it's purely entertainment and you will sit there and go thank god my children aren't on the show it will also make you realize that society in general is decaying <laughs> as a result of shows like this but in the meantime it's entertaining Now the show is in its fourth season, and if you like season four, you could go all the way back to season one, or if you want, you could start at season one, but this show could really be called How to Break Up a Relationship. (laughs) And I mean, the people are like annoying, they're fun to make fun of, you know what I mean? It's hard not to root for some people and root against others. It's reality TV at its finest, you know, It's, it's also dating and young people running around with not a lot of clothes on in a beautiful tropical paradise. So yeah, if you just want something you can run in the background or you just want to cleanse the palate and enjoy a little guilty pleasure, well then Temptation Island on Bravo is your best bet. How do you find, how can you trust the marketing that we see on meats, right? Unfortunately, so many companies are now labeling their meat as grass-fed and they're using that term very loosely. You want to look for grass-finished meats. And that's why Brett and I, I've talked about it before, we only shop with ButcherBox. In fact, 
We have our meats shipped to us monthly. They ship anywhere in the United States. You can curate your box. You can decide what you want in it. And once you try grass-finished beef from animals that have been humanely raised, and they go to great extents, not just to verify the way that the animal was raised and how they ate and that they are free of hormones or anything like that, but this is a company that is devoted to really caring about how the animal was raised and even that it was humanely treated in death. And I know that's a horrible thing to talk about, but frankly, I'm of the mindset that we should be eating more plants and fewer animals. And if we are going to eat animals, we need to care about how they were treated, what they ate, and how that's going to have an impact on our health. So I encourage you to look into ButcherBox. Like we love it. Our son Brock gets it delivered. And right now they have an awesome special for anyone who listens to The Shaleen Show. You can go to butcherbox.com forward slash Shaleen and they've put together a special offer just for my listeners. You guys, once you try it, you'll be like, what was I eating before? Like it's completely different, completely different. It comes shipped to your door. It's frozen. They've got incredible customer service. You know, that's also very, very important to me. And I highly recommend you look into it. You won't go back. I promise you that. You will not go back to eating conventional meat. It just makes it so much more convenient. Again, butcherbox.com forward slash Shaleen. Okay. Moving on to one of my freaking favorites of all time, or at least for this series of documentaries I'm recommending. It's called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. It is a three-part series on Netflix. And moms, you're going to freaking love this because at the center of this whole documentary, even though it's about the most hated man on the internet, it's really about the most brazen mama bear you'd ever want to cross. It's a story of Hunter Moore. And he was this guy who owned this website that completely took off in, I think it was in the 2000s. And it's a website whose or their claim to fame was revenge porn. Now, if you don't know what revenge porn is, it is when your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, they have videos or private photos that you've sent to them and they could send them anonymously to this site. And then they, this website owned by Hunter Moore, would post the photos to humiliate your ex and also their address Maybe there are other social media handles, all of these things. Well, come to find out, it wasn't just ex-boyfriends and girlfriends who were submitting photos. In some instances, it was people submitting their own photos because they wanted the attention. But more often than not, it was people who were hacking into other women's like hard drives and iClouds, et cetera, and stealing those images and then posting them online. In some instances, these weren't images that anyone ever wanted shared with anyone, in particular, the woman who's at the center of this documentary, her daughter gets hacked. And in the hack, one photo, one topless, innocent topless photo of her in her bedroom gets posted on the site along with her home address and everything else. Well, the second she finds out that this photo is up, she tells her mom this is happening and she's just devastated. Like this website is so popular that she's getting like notifications like crazy. I mean, I didn't realize, I don't even remember hearing about this website at the time, but 
Wow. So anyways, this mom goes into hyper mama bear mode and is like, I'm going to get this photo down and I'm going to take this guy down. And the story unfolds about all of the people's whose lives were virtually destroyed by this jerk. I and mean, he's the biggest douchebag you'd ever want to meet, like just one of those gross, disgusting, reminds me of like the girls gone wild kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? Just like arrogant, didn't care about anyone. And I mean, th- this story is so fascinating, like how they actually take him down. You're going to fall in love with the mom. It's going to blow your mind, like how everything works out in the end. It's really, really, really fascinating. This is a series that shows you how one woman, one person can make a difference, not only in stopping a cyber criminal, but like shutting down and protecting other women and protecting other victims. And if nothing else, this is going to remind you how important it is to set up all of those precautions I always am reminding you guys about to protect your digital assets. Because this girl hadn't even, and a lot of the people were featured in the documentary, hadn't sent photos or videos or anything like that to anyone, they'd been hacked. A few of the episodes are, you know, a little slow, a little bit. I was still fascinated. And in the end, you're going to be standing up on your couch, like cheering and rooting for this mom. Okay, this one's been trending on Netflix. So you probably maybe you've seen it, maybe you've passed up in case you have passed up and you're wondering, let me tell you about Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. This is a story about a entertainment company that tried to bring back the original Woodstock in 1999, right? So we're just about to enter the 2000s. And this documentary, it feels a little bit like, gosh, how would I describe it? The documentary follows and they kind of like go back and forth between like the 1969 original Woodstock festival and this new Woodstock that they're trying to put together for 1999. And they kind of go back and forth and back and forth. And the one thing you pick up pretty quickly is that things are different. Like 1999 is not the peace and love era. It's like the me, me, me entitlement era. So like that's happening and you see them like trying to recreate this, but you also get the sense all along like, oh, this is not going to go well, but you're also hoping that it might. And you just get the sense that like, This infrastructure is going to cave in on itself. And it's fascinating to watch. It's very dramatic. I just think they do a really good job of storytelling how one of the problems, which only like one very young member of the team that was putting this whole organization together pointed out pretty early in like one of their early planning meetings, like, hey, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but these are all very angry male bands. These are not peace and love bands. Not all, but like most of the bands, like the ones that were like going to be the really big headliners were known for like rage and anger. And like, so they interview Jonathan Davis of Korn, which interesting factoid, we were neighbors in our old neighborhood. I would see him like jogging down the street. I'm like, and you kind of couldn't not notice him because he had like these big giant dreadlocks and he would run with another guy that I think was like maybe his bodyguard. I don't know, but you know, it was just just didn't really fit in that neighborhood, but I freaking loved it. Or you'd see like the big tour bus parked out front. Anyway, so they are there, Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock, and it's just like a lot of like young, angry men in the crowd, like so angry, like shirtless, ah, like just picture them screaming, like, you know, holding up a beer and they're probably like 18 years old and just major testosterone. And then like some beautiful women, but from the footage anyways, it felt like it was about 
80% dudes and 20% females. So as a woman watching this or like thinking about your own teenage daughter going to this festival, I started getting nervous. Like, oh my God, this is not going to be good. This is not peace and love. This feels super out of control. This feels super dangerous. But the documentary kind of, it, it's fast paced and each episode is a different day, which is kind of cool. So it's kind of like leading up to it. And there's these really great interviews. There's interviews with people back in 1999 and then they flash forward 23 years and they interview like festival attendees who are reminiscing about like what they thought and how excited they were and what they anticipated versus what they really experienced. And then they go back and forth with interviewing workers, like people who were part of the security team then, and how they were like 18 years old and had no idea what the heck they were doing or what they were in for and how like it was just a joke. And now they're interviewing them 23 years later. And so it's it's pretty fascinating. And the one common theme is that everyone sensed from the beginning, oh, this isn't going to be good. And they just didn't know how bad it would get. I don't remember hearing anything about this on the news, which is shocking to me. And trigger warning in the final episodes, you learn what a horrific environment this was for the women that were there. Like it's unspeakable what happened to some of these women. Like it's just unspeakable and how out of touch and in denial these, I'm sorry, in my opinion, very greedy event planners were. And they just were denying everything that was like right in front of them. And the artists who knew like this is really scary and really sad. And the few of the artists who were like, I mean, like Jewel was there. And I can't think of the guy's name. It's escaping me right now. He's Gavin Rosdell. Oh, he's such a cutie. I mean, I, I love him after watching this. And he did such a good job of like kind of calming people down. They interview Bush. And you just, it's like such an out of control festival. So I think that's a pretty fascinating one to watch. Okay, I've got three more really quick and a fly through these because I've not seen these yet, but I feel comfortable recommending them because I've had quite a few friends who've either watched the early release, like they're on a special list where they get it sent to them, or they've just raved about it and, and said, Shalini, I know you, you have to put on your list for you to watch. And I'll share those with you as well. The first is called Paris and Love. And it's just, you know, one of those mindless, great shows, reality TV on Peacock. Obviously, it's about Paris Hilton, and she's a global phenomenon. It's very lighthearted. It's easy to watch. There's no trigger warnings needed. It is the excessive flaunting, obviously, of wealth. And, you know, that's kind of fun to, like, see how it is people live like that. I don't know how much of Paris's personality is, like, a shtick that she puts on, but she is absolutely beautiful, and I feel like she does not age you know, she still has that same like kind of valley girl, high pitched voice that, you know, people like to impersonate like California girls. It can run in the background. It's one of those things that you just like let it run for hours while you're like cleaning or doing crafts on the weekend. From what I've been told, I am, of course, curious to watch it because we are in the wedding season. Just married my daughter last weekend. And 30 days from now, we marry my son and daughter-in-law. Another highly recommended documentary on Hulu. It's an hour and 26 minutes, so it's just one. It's called Aftershock. And this is an important one. This is the next one I'm going to watch probably tonight. And in this docuseries, it follows the death of two young women after childbirth complications. It is about the incredible discrepancies 
and the sometimes unconscious, sometimes conscious biases in the medical industry. It explores the phenomenon where American medicine is driven by money and profits first and the protection and equality of human life second. This documentary has been said to shine a light on the atrocities that women face in the U.S. when it comes to their maternal mortality rate, something that we have talked about on this show before. And it's something that's really important. And, you know, we're not shedding enough light on this subject. So I think this is a really important documentary. It's one that I hope to watch tonight. I hope that you will watch it too and share with me your thoughts. And lastly, one that is going to be releasing probably by the date that you hear this episode and I've, I've seen the trailer for this one. You're going to remember the story. It's called Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. And it is, again, on Netflix. It is two episodes long. And it's the untold story of a guy, Manti Teo. I think I'm saying his name correctly. I know you're going to remember this for sure. Your husband or your boyfriend's going to remember this. He was this insanely gifted linebacker, I think from Notre Dame and was getting drafted by the NFL while in college, but he was also involved with a online relationship with his girlfriend. And basically, he gets catfished. And that seems like, and we make a documentary about that. This documentary, just from watching the trailer and from my friends who got an early edition of it, it's just going to blow your mind, apparently, to understand how it changed his entire life. Like, this is kind of before... We knew catfishing like was a thing, but you're going to be shocked by who he was catfished by. Oh, sorry. This one comes out on August 23rd. So a week from now. Okay. So put this on your list. You've got lots to watch before this. I think we're going to enjoy all of these. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. You've got a lot to watch. I know you've got a lot to listen to, especially if you're a Patreon member. We've got a party this week. There's new episodes coming out this weekend. If you like the personal stuff and you want to hear more about the weddings beyond like just what I'm going to talk about on Friday, if you like want the like the real scoop and some of the juicier things that I feel like, you know, maybe they don't belong on the show, but like for those of you who like the personal stuff, you're going to love Patreon this week. So you've got a lot to take in. Keep this list by going to our show notes. That'll make it really easy for you to just take a screenshot to see where these shows are where you can find them. That makes it easy when you settle in on the couch to watch some good shows. We'll make it super simple for you. Please let me know if there's anything that I've missed. Remember, I prefer to keep this like what to watch. I prefer to keep these documentaries. On rare occasion, we'll list like a a drama series, but very rare. I want to hear about the documentaries that I need to see. Maybe those sleepers, the ones that nobody's talking about. Tell me about those. Jump in the pod squad. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you on Friday. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just 
real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 